where do you want to show up? So you think it through and you say, well, what about, you know, terminals for private jets? You know, if you're in a terminal for private jets with a with an offer for something. Welcome back to Young Smart Money with me, your host, Apple Kreider. Today we are sitting down with Brian Kurtz. This guy is an expert in the direct marketing and list building spaces, okay? He has been in the game for about 40 years in the marketing game, which is just crazy to think about the wealth of knowledge that this man has in his brain that he is going to disperse with you on this audio program today. I am so, so excited for it. Brian gets into the good stuff, okay, guys? If you are at all interested in the world of direct marketing, okay? Getting people to do the thing that you want them to do that's going to bring value to them. This is the episode for you. We're going to talk a lot about direct marketing. We're going to talk a lot about list building, which is something that I see a lot of you young guys out there neglecting. All of you guys that are building up your personal brands on social media, a lot of y'all are neglecting to build your list. So if you are somebody out there who has heard the phrase or has said the phrase that email is dead, you need to listen to this podcast because we are going to prove you very, very wrong. Brian is someone who's been doing massive stuff in the email space forever. And uh, email marketing is alive and well. He can promise you that. We're going to prove to you that in this podcast episode today. So if you're all interested in marketing, getting more people to do the thing that you want them to do and building out your list, building out your income streams online, this is the podcast episode for you. And Brian Kurtz is the man to listen to. So without further ado, I'm going to welcome Brian to the show. So you guys need to sit back, relax, and enjoy the interview. All right, Brian, welcome to Young Smart Money. How are you doing today? Good. I, I like to be uh, young and smart, so uh, um, I'll, I'll do my best to be younger and smarter. <laughs> there we go. There we go. So, Brian, our listeners got to hear a bit about you and what you're currently up to in the intro to this episode, but for those of them that aren't familiar with who you are and what you're doing right now, give us like a 60-second snapshot of where you're at right now. Well, I, I'll, I'll quickly go back and say sure. that you know I, 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 I spent 34 years um, building a direct marketing newsletter publisher called Boardroom Inc. And it was a real neat company. And, you know, we grew like crazy. And I'll give you, you know, what happened. You know, it, it was a great run. And then about five years ago, I went out on my own. Um, and I decided to teach what I already had done was basically what I was doing. So I developed uh, a couple of different mastermind groups. And if you're not familiar with a mastermind group, it's a group of like-minded people sharing ideas and all kinds of stuff. And uh, so I, I developed one mastermind group and then another, and then I started uh, getting um, uh, the rights to great marketing books that I was able to sell. And I started developing this, this direct marketing education business based on my career. And I've written two books since then as well. Uh, the one that I'm, that I'm currently uh, promoting is called Over Deliver, and I can tell you a little bit about that later. But it's it's kind of a, a, a it's kind of like a a, a a journey. You know, the end. It's not the end of my journey. I'm just starting a new journey, and hmm. so I really feel that I've got a lot to teach and I've got a lot to share. And since I'm still a student as well as being a teacher, I'm always going to be a student. And as I think many of your uh, listeners are students, we have a lot in common. And so I really wanted to share uh, as much as I can. And so when I had the opportunity to come on your show, I really felt it would be a fun thing to do because um, I learn a lot from the people that are a lot younger than me. And 
Um, I, in fact, I'm in, I'm, I'm in a couple of mastermind groups where I'm, I think in one of them, I'm close to the oldest person in the group. And yet I feel like, you know, a kid in a candy store because I'm learning so much from all the online marketers. So I, I'm, I'm kind of a, you know, a, a sponge. I'm a, I'm a lifelong student. And, but I, I do like to teach what I've, what I've done also. And it, it's, a, it's, it's been a fun ride and I'm, uh, I'm having a good time. I love it. So there's a lot of things that I want to dive into there. But the first thing that I want to do is how I start off all my episodes is sort of flashing back in time to your early upbringing. Since we do have a younger listener base here, tell us about that time when you were a, a traditional, a student in school, like, like middle school, high school years. Um, were you getting into entrepreneurial ventures? It sounds like it took a little while for you to get there. So what were you doing in that time period? Yeah, I, you know, I, I was uh, unfortunately uh, uh, doing a little bit too much of extracurricular activities in high school. Um, uh, but I wasn't, I wasn't entrepreneurial at all. Um, but I was, I, I was, uh, curious. I was, um, I like to write. Um, I like to explore. So I don't think it was like uh, a total out of the box, you know, uh, new thing for me to be an entrepreneur eventually, but it wasn't like my life stream to be working on my own and to start up something. So when I got to boardroom, well, and th and then in college I was I, I I was the film critic for my school newspaper. So I really wanted to write, and so I when I got out of college I said, oh, let me go find a publisher and I'll go work and I'll write. And the job I got at boardroom, while it was a publisher, they the the job I got was in the marketing side in the list management area. And so you know I figured, oh, what the hell? I was making nine thousand dollars a year. They were raising me to twelve thousand five hundred a year. So what the hell, I'll do this and I'll see what it's like. And, and the pivot point was, and, and so the pivot point there was um, about a year, year and a half into boardroom, a job opened up in the editorial department and I went to Marty Edelston, who was the owner of the company and, and the founder. And I said, oh, I'd like to you know, move over to the editorial side. And he said to me, no, you got a nose for marketing. I think you should stay where you are. And when you're 23 years old, you know, it was a it was a point where I could have insisted, but I didn't know enough. You know, he had all the wisdom. I had nothing. And so I went with him and his his lead. And the rest is sort of history. I mean, it, a lot of a lot of bumps and starts. But, you know, after 10 years, I became uh, an equity partner in the business and I was very entrepreneurial. I, I wasn't entrepreneurial, but I, you know, it was a, it was a it, it was an entrepreneurial company. So I learned entrepreneurship from him. But then I was given a lot of responsibility on my own and being an entrepreneur prepared me. I mean, it took me 34 years, but it prepared me really, really well to be an entrepreneur uh, eventually. So that's the quick snapshot. But I think it's, you know, it's, it's that th there was that pivot point of, you know, oh, you have a nose for marketing. Oh, really? I, I, I think I do. But I thought I wanted to write and I didn't give up a dream. It was I thought that's what I wanted to do. And I think a lot of your listeners might be, you know, moving towards a career or they think that this is what they want to do and don't get locked in. I mean, don't get locked in, you know, keep your mind open, especially while you're young. And by keeping my mind open that way, I ended up in a career that was phenomenal. And, and now I, you know, going, you know, looking back, going full circle, I ended up writing anyway. I wrote two <laughs> books. I have a weekly blog. I, you know, I, I go on podcasts. I speak all the time. So, you know, I got the best of both worlds and it was a really, you know, but I, I, I let the, 
I sort of let the, the my career come to me and then and then dove in and that was a really good way to do it. Huh. So how do you how do you advise a young listener? How do you talk to a young young listener about the idea of keeping your options open while also like not wanting to be too like sporadic and spread out and, and spread between so many different things? Yeah, I think you know it's a very tough thing, especially if you're young and you're you're entrepreneurial and everything's a shiny object. And yeah. so it's very, very hard. And I know that. But I always tell people, and I even consult today with you know, bleeding edge direct marketers who've been in business for a long time. And a lot of times I have to get them to, you know, go a mile deep before they can go a mile wide. And going a mile deep in anything that you have passion for is so much more rewarding. And and I know a lot of people say, oh, I want to do something big. I want to, you know, change the world. I want to do something big. You got time. You know, it's not like, you know, I like to say life's not short, life is long. And, and the reason why I say that is um, it's, it's the only one you got. So you might as well play it, uh, you know, and I say in my book, you know, playing the long game is my last chapter. And if you, if you play, you know, quarter to quarter, you know, as opposed to always looking to the horizon and five years out or 10 years out, just play quarter to quarter, five, five you know, um, uh, projects per quarter, and then turn around, look back, say what you see, what you, 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 uh, achieved, celebrate it, and then go back into the next five in the next quarter. And, you know, living quarter to quarter is so important. So I think one of the things is to live quarter to quarter. Um, I mean, you can look ahead a little bit, but you really want to stay focused on that and don't, you know, don't be hypnotized by the shiny objects. Try to stay as focused as you can early on and go deep, go deep, go deep. And then as you go deep in, in various things, you'll find the thing that you're most passionate about generally. And mm -hmm. if you go, you know, but you have to test a lot of things too. So um, um, I, I don't want to, I, I got a little bit of, you know, a little bit of, you know, uh, uh, it's not, it's not as easy as it sounds. I know it isn't, but mm -hmm. uh, that would be my advice. Hmm. So clearly you've gone like more than a mile deep on, <clears throat> on direct response marketing. What do you, if you could like go back in time and like whisper something into the young Brian Kurtz's ear, like when you were just getting started or when you were building out that foundation um, in your entrepreneurship, what would that be? Like, what do you wish you would have known about the world of direct response marketing? Um, I think I would have liked to, uh, I, I, I took a long time cause I, I, I started in the list business. So mm -hmm. I thought lists were like the most important thing and I still do, but I didn't get into the other aspects of offer and copy as quickly and understand the relationship between the three. I think, you know, it's a three legged stool of, of, of list offer and copy and while list is the most important, you need to have the others as well. You can't have good copy and no list because you got no one to buy. But if you have a great list and mediocre copy, you'll make some money. And then if you get great copy on top of that, that's where you know you really are able to. And of course, a great offer. That's where you end up with you know the kind of monumental success that you know my company had and the, and the kind of stuff that we did. Um, so I think knowing a little bit more faster um, and that I stayed too much in the list part, even though it was the most important, that would be one thing. Um, I also think that, um, you know, I think, you know, telling myself that I could write, um, I, I didn't, 
you know, I, 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 w- I was generally in marketing. I, I didn't, you know, I, I always knew that I wanted to write. And then like, I think I should have jumped in earlier. Like I was, I only started blogging and, and writing and book writing over the last five or six years. And I realized that I could have been doing this my whole career. So if someone had told me, oh, you're, you know, you're, you're an entrepreneur in a business, you're, you're building the, the marketing, but you know, why don't you start list building for yourself and start writing on a regular basis of what you're learning? I think I would have had a lot more um, insights that I could have shared and I wasn't even thinking about it. Because now my, my favorite thing to do is to write my blog every week and to remember the great, um, you know, I can't even remember all of them because I wasn't thinking about it back then. And sometimes something comes to me and it's something that I did in 1989 and I want to write about it and I finally thought of it. So there's, there's the, um, so I would have said, I would have said write more early on. That would have been the one thing I would have told myself also. So I'm, I'm fascinated that you touched on list building there because that's something that I see a lot of young entrepreneurs sort of neglecting in the world of like social media and just trying to like build out their personal brand. So talk to us a little bit about like the basics of list building and why young entrepreneurs, the 18, 19, 20 year old out there should be even thinking about this. Yeah, I think, you know, social media is great. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it, it's a really good way to build your brand and, and do all the things that you just said, but you want to, I mean, I, I really believe, and, and I know that you know, there'll be people listening to this podcast saying, you know, um, I'm going to say email is the killer app and they're going to say, oh, email is so, you know, 2001. Yeah. And, you know, it's not, it really is. You know, when you, when you can, when you can email, because in Facebook and in Instagram and, and, you know, all the different social media platforms, you're, they're fleeting, you know, they're, they're people, they're, they're looking at a feed, you get some people here, some people there if you can develop a following on email and consistently email to them uh, and, and, and really become a, a thought leader or a, a leader for them in some way, that's where you get the traction. And so I always talk about, like when I'm talking to a young entrepreneur with a really big Facebook following, I kind of talk about how can we get the, you can still do the Facebook, but how can you get those Facebook people onto an email list in an email platform like Infusionsoft or AWeber or something. And then, and and don't even think about selling anything to them right away. Just deliver content, deliver uh, useful content to them. And that will be, and and you build the list slowly while you're still doing everything else. And as far as the techniques for list building, look, this right here is a technique. I mean, I'm going to offer you know, an amazing resource package for people who buy my book. They can buy the book or not, but the resource package is probably worth more than the book. And they have to opt into my list. I'm not selling them anything except the book. And I'm going to deliver a blog every Sunday that is going to be useful information about direct marketing. And everybody can do that. And so whether it's on a podcast, whether you write articles and build a list that way, but it's a slow build. And, that, and that's the thing. Now, if you have a big following in social media, it could be a faster build if you have some techniques. And there are a lot of techniques. You can't just take your Facebook list and put it in an email list. You have to opt them in and you have to give them something and you have to deliver value. And so then you learn when you're list building the value of delivering value. 
like I'll, I'll, I'll talk about, I, I had this one uh, blog post I did. I had a guy who was a used car salesman, uh, really a used car salesman. And he had a, a used car lot and he, he got a list of all the people in his, in, in around the used car lot, about a 30 mile radius. And he, um, he, he would send a postcard every week and say, these are the new cars on my lot. I said, well, you know, that, that's a, that's a, you know, a stab in the dark. I mean, they don't, you don't know if they're going to be buying a car. You might get a couple of people that'll come look, uh, but that, that's like such a chance thing. So why not be, as in, instead of being the guy selling used cars, why don't you be the trusted advisor for used car sales? And so I said, you know, I gave him a, a, a scenario where develop um, a special report or something that's of value, like the five things to know when the used car salesman's trying to rip you off. And you send this and, and hopefully you, you can develop that content and you offer them, you know, go to my site, I'll give you the free thing, you know, and then I'm going to blog every week with another tip about used car buying and all kinds of things. So then hopefully when they're ready to buy a used car, you're top of mind. That's just one example of a way to get, use your list, use your email list for, to get people. And, and of course, you, when you have a social media platform with the email list, everything you do in email, you support it there too. So not everybody's going to be on your email list, but you supplement it with everything you're doing in social media. So I think that's a, a, a better game plan for the long game. For the short game, you can do a lot of social media and you don't have to build a list. But I really think that building a list and email is, you know, I know, I know a lot of young people today aren't even doing email. But if you're in business, you know, once, once you get to be, you know, 25 or 30, you will eventually have email. I mean, there'll be email. And if email goes away, I'd be surprised. So, Absolutely. That was, that was some really valuable stuff right there. Um, I'm curious as well, like if somebody's just getting started building their list, say they put together that free like five things to look out for or whatever, what, what do you see as some good ways for them to start driving traffic to that page and actually showing people that resource and just like getting people aware of it? Yeah, so it, it's any, any media can, can drive people to, and, and a lot of media is free. I mean, you can, you, you know, Facebook is, is, you know, you can do paid Facebook, but you can also do just, you know, regular Facebook. Um, I think that, I think, you know, in the case of the used car thing, he was already sending a postcard anyway. So he's already spending the money. So send the postcard and use direct mail. Uh, now, direct mail adds a little cost, but direct mail is still a really good medium for getting people to engage with you because they're going to engage with you in a lot better, in a lot deeper way than they will in, in email or Facebook. But it's, you know, it's, a, it's an acquired taste. So not everybody does uh, direct mail. But, you know, I would say even, you know, 20 and 30 year olds have a mailbox. I always say, you know, the least crowded inbox is the one I say to people my age that you grew up with. I'll say to you, it's the one that your parents grew up with, but it's still there. And you still go out and check it and you still are, are, are taking a look at it. And it's less crowded than it ever was. So, you know, you can, you can, if you do something uh, bold and that sticks out, it's, it's an incredible thing that you're there and no one else is there. I mean, one of the best things, uh, Dan Kennedy is one of the great direct yeah. marketers of all time. He says, you know, be where other people aren't and sell something unique. And 
you can come up with them. He told me, he told a great story. He spoke at my event uh, last, uh, last April. And he told the story about, uh, he's, he uh, races uh, harness racing horses. And so he goes to horse auctions where, where these men are bidding, you know, $100,000, $500,000, a lot of money on these racehorses. So there was a pop-up jeweler who shows up at the, at the uh, auctions for the racehorses. So he's got a pop-up jewelry store. Like, what's he doing there? Well, think about it. The guy is spending, spends $500,000 on a racehorse. And then the guys, the jewelers there, he goes, ah, I got to go buy my wife something so she doesn't get pissed off that I bought the $500,000 racehorse. So there's the tennis bracelet for her. Now, that's a great example of showing up. And, and there's no, there's only one jeweler, you know, there's no other second jeweler. So he's the only jeweler. So it's, and he's got a unique offering that makes sense for that market. It's a great example. And I can, you know, I have a lot of other examples, but that's a perfect example of that. And so, you know, in the, it's the same thing when you're list building. If you can show up where someone else isn't, you know, and, and I say direct mail is one of them. If you can show up in a magazine that like um, we talk a lot about um, if you're going after, let's say, you know, very rich people, where do you want to show up? So you think it through and you say, well, what about, you know, terminals for private jets? You know, if you're in a terminal for private jets with a with an offer for something and, and you want to get wealthy people, you might be the only one there for a particular offer of, of whatever you're, you're selling or whatever you're giving away. So I think you have to, you know, be creative about it. You can do the normal things. You can do Facebook and you can do Instagram and you can do search and you can do, you can pay for Facebook and you can pay for things. But there's a lot of interesting ways to find, find media that is, I mean, I, I'd say right now, advertising opportunities are now infinite where when I started in, in direct mail in the 1980s, it was, you know, pretty finite. It was direct mail, it was print, it was direct TV, radio, and there wasn't that many choices. And now it's infinite. I mean, there are so many choices and every one requires a little bit, you know, different, different take on it. And just, you know, you're only, uh, you're only, you're only held back by your creativity, you know, and you can really do a lot of neat things. I couldn't agree more. It's, it's all about finding where the other people aren't and like doing the opposite of what everyone else is doing has been what's brought me like the majority of, of the success that I've had. Yeah. I mean, going, go, everybody's going right time to go left, right? Yep, exactly. But, so, one, you know, not, and not just for the sake of going left, go no. left intelligently. Exactly. So one thing that I'm curious about as well, you mentioned at the beginning of the interview, uh, masterminds and how you've been hosting masterminds, you've been attending masterminds. So fill our listeners in on uh, what the value you see in a mastermind is. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the basic value is, you know, to always think about if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. So you want to be with people, not just who are smarter than you, but everybody in the room is getting smarter together. And so if you can get in rooms like that all the time, you're always going to be growing. You're always going to be moving forward as opposed to, you know, being the smartest guy in the room is boring. I mean, you can, you can show off and you can be the, the, the hotshot, but what are you going to, you know, where are you going to go from there? So my mastermind is for multi-channel direct marketers. So I, I get a group together. Every one of those people is smarter than me in something like, in fact, one of the requirements for my mastermind group is that everybody in the group needs to, at some point, make a presentation to the group in their superpower. So they're 
going to make a presentation, but then I get guests, guest speakers who can talk about LinkedIn, talk about Facebook, talk about direct mail. So I get all the watts of direct response marketing and then the watts that are in the group. And then you can see that everybody raises their level of thinking. And I'll tell you, there are mastermind groups that I pay $25,000 a year for. And there are mastermind groups that I'm in that are free. And, but they all have one thing in common that you've got people getting smarter together. And I'd say that even if you, have, you don't have the money to join a major, a mastermind group, you can start one. You know, I, 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 you can even make it accountability group, you know, four guys or four, you know, guys and gals, you know, you get together on a regular basis. Um, you each do a hot seat for 45 minutes on something that's going on. And, you know, if you have, you all have different experiences, even that's a mastermind of sorts. You know, my mastermind has, you know, 30 or 40 people in it, but, and my, you know, I have two of them, but there are, you know, people can do hot seats in the mastermind. Like they want to do a hot seat in front of the whole group. Then I do mini hot seats, like at the tables and they all go around and each one takes 15 minutes and states their problem and they get ideas. So the, 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 the ways you can run a mastermind are endless. Um, and you know, mine, mine happen to have a lot more guest speakers because I'm trying to bring as much knowledge from the outside, but there's so much knowledge inside that it's, it's a combination. But I know of masterminds where um, uh, it's, they're all like, a, they're all a little different. I mean, I, I, and I join, I'm in, I'm in about five or six masterminds, some of which, again, I, I spend over $100,000 a year to be in masterminds. And I really feel like that's my tuition for being in marketing and being able to know what's going on. So that's another thing, you know, staying on the cutting edge, even if I'm not going to do it, certain, you know, things, I, you know, I'm in a, a mastermind for launches, for online launches. So even if I'm not going to do a launch, I know how it's done. I can get somebody to speak on it if I want to bring them into my group. So there's just so much knowledge out there. You can't know it all. Um, you don't know what you don't know. So why not get it from the outside? And that's, so there's a lot of, lot of reasons to be in a mastermind. Sure. So how, how do you prioritize like which groups get your focus or like which groups you join? Cause if you're in six different groups spending six figures, like how do you decide that? Well, I mean the, the one that, the one that I'm in is the one that I'm most focused on. So I try to, I try to focus, you know, when I go to a mastermind, I try to forget about everything else and just focus on that. It's hard because I got a lot of other things. I'm running a business. So it's a lot, of, it's a lot harder, but you've got to, you, you've got to be there full out phone off, really focused, whether you're paying for it or not. I think funny that I, I don't have this issue anymore, but I know some people say, I don't want a free mastermind. I want to pay for it so that I, you know, get more out of it. I don't need to pay for it to get more out of it. But I think when you're paying $25,000 a year, you tend to pay more attention. Uh, so I don't, you know, I, I, and when I, when I find that I'm not paying as much attention or I'm not as focused, I sometimes will leave the group or not stay in it. Cause that means I'm not, I'm, I'm not as interested, but I think you really have to stay focused in it. And I don't have a problem. You know, I think as long as you're, you're willing to learn, you're open-minded, um, you, you know, you're not the smartest person in the room, then you can focus on, a, a, you know, 
a lot of different things. So it's, it's, that's not a not problem for me. I, I wonder if you, you ask the question, so you think that's a problem for people if they were in, let's say they were in five masterminds, but they were all free. So the, not a money situation. You have, you, you, are you, do you think that they'd have a problem staying focused on them? Well, not necessarily focused on them, but diverting or sort of um, delegating the proper amount of like time and resources to really like get enough out of it is sort of what I was going for there. Yeah, I think you really have to, you know, shut shut down one thing to open up another and it takes a lot of training and if you're an entrepreneur or an entrepreneurial spirit that you're thinking all the time about the next big thing and you're always thinking of the next big idea it probably is very hard to i could i could see that but you know it's it's very important to shut down shut down everything to focus on one thing even just for a day or two hundred percent. Do you meditate at all? Or like, how do you, how do you stay focused or how do you control yeah. your thoughts? Well, I, I actually, I had a couple, I, one thing I do is umpire baseball. Um, and you say, how do I, why do I umpire baseball? Well, I, you know, I like base, I like umpiring baseball because, um, you know, the only time you get talked to or, or, or if you screw up, you're going to get yelled at. So I, I like that because it's a, it's a selfless kind of thing where, you know, if you do a good job, the best thing you get is nice game ump. But the other, the other thing that umpire, umpiring does for me is that it's a focus that if I, because I know I'm going to get yelled at if I miss a pitch or I miss a call. So I have to focus when I'm on, at doing a game for two hours, I've got to focus there and concentrate on every single pitch so that, so everything else gets blocked out. That's my way of blocking out. I also meditate. I have a muse, uh, uh, I don't know if you know what this thing is, but it's pretty cool. It's a, it's a, it's a mind, uh, a headband that, and you, and you link it to a, an app on your phone and it walks you through a medit of different guided meditations. And it's really good. Um, and I had never meditated before because I couldn't, I couldn't shut my brain off. And I know that's a tough thing for a lot of us. And so um, the, you know, whatever you need to do to shut your brain off, it's important. And, I can't, I can't meditate for a half hour or an hour, but I can, I can do 10 minutes and, you know, 10 minutes a day is really good, but I don't think that's my, that's the secret to my focus. I think it's, I, I, I think, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I have a luxury of having my own business. So another thing I do is I keep my Mondays and Fridays completely free of calls of anything so that I'm free to kind of paint those days what I want them to be. So if I want to go out for a walk and do something, if I want to uh, write, I like to write on Fridays, sometimes on Mondays. So I try to do that. And, and I, I guess the other thing is, um, you know, when I'm, when I'm exercising or, you know, I try, to, I, try to go to, I try to go outside to exercise to the gym with a trainer. So then I'm just focused on it. So I think you have to find whatever's right for you. You've got to focus on something that takes so you can, so you can block out everything else. And, you know, for me, it's, it's umpiring, it's exercise, it's writing, it's all those things that gets me out of my, my gets me out of my own way. Hmm. That's fascinating. So Brian, you've been dropping so much value on our listeners and I'm extremely grateful for that. Um, I have a couple questions that I do like to ask all of my guests. Are you feeling ready for those? Okay. Um, I am. Awesome. So the first of which is what is something that genuinely has you excited right now? Um, I got a bunch of things. I would say that um, 
it's interesting. So it has me excited. It's, it's going to sound strange. So I had a stroke um, in April. Um, and what has me excited is getting back to 100%. So it, it's not, it's kind of, instead of, you know, wallowing in my, you know, I don't do a why me and I didn't have a come to Jesus moment. And I didn't, you know, say I'm going to live now. Um, and, I, and, and I'm also a cancer. So I, I had cancer 11 years ago. So I, I don't, it's like the, the negative thing happens. And then my first reaction is, how am I going to get back? Or if I don't want to get back, then how am I going to get to something different? And so I'm excited about that because, you know, it's, a, it's something that I got to work at. I mean, I'm not, I'm not 100% now. I don't know if you, if you can tell or not tell. It doesn't matter. But I'm, I'm not quite there yet. But I'm working at it. And I'm working at it by going on shows like yours and talking to young people and letting them know that, you know, unfortunately, we're not immortal. You know, we're not, you know, you, you, you know, you have a lot more years ahead of you than I do, but it's, it's not, it, it's really good to, to take stock of what you have, to be grateful for what you have and to really go forward. I'm also very excited about my book. Um, I, interestingly, I was, uh, the book launched on April 9th and I had my stroke April 10th. So I couldn't do all these podcasts. I couldn't do all the things I wanted to do. So now, you know, launching the book, um, it's, it's very exciting for me. Um, it's a, it was, you know, nine months or a year in the making, probably longer because I did a first book with a, with a friend of mine and that got me motivated to finally write my book. And it's, um, it, I'm really proud of it, but you know, I got I want to promote it because not, not for the money. I want to promote it because I want to reach more people. And then the other thing I'm excited about is that my mastermind groups are great, but I want to do a third mastermind group that has no live events. That's a virtual mastermind so that for a lot lower price, I could put a couple of hundred, 300, 400 people in it, have monthly calls, send out, you know, some kind of physical content of some sort. Uh, whether it's a USB of some content that I've, I've done at my other masterminds or whatever, and reach more people. So I guess the excitement would be uh, to increase my reach so that if there are people that want to learn from me, um, I can find them and, and reach them. And for those that don't want it, it's fine. You know, you don't have to learn from me. It's fine. But I want to find the right people. And that's why the list stuff is so important, to, to get people on my list that really want to hear what I have to say. And then I get to hear what they want, that they have to say. Like I, I encourage people in my blog to write back to me. And then I get, I, I find out what they want to learn and they teach me stuff too. And so it's, it's, I'm pretty excited about that. And, and it's, it's, it builds on it because the list is only getting bigger and my, you know, my book will, will only, um, will only help that. So. Mm. That was powerful, Brian. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Tell us a little bit more about the book. Like what's, what's over deliver all about? Well, over deliver is, is my book. Um, it's uh, it's build a business for a lifetime playing the long game in direct response marketing. And what it is, is, um, you know, I start the book with, you know, the concept of over delivery, which it has some problems because if you over deliver, over deliver, over deliver, your, your bar is set really high and then the expectations are too high and then you get screwed because they're, they're expecting too much, but I'd rather be there than under deliver. So, but I talk about that. And then my second chapter is about original source 
and why the fundamental, and I talk about the fundamentals of direct response marketing that go even before I got into the business, but then in the 1980s before the internet, and then how it all relates to everything that's going on that's state of the art today. And because I've seen it you know, from then and now, there aren't that many people that are connecting the two. There are, there are some people out there, and I quote a lot of them in my, in my book, and, I, and I, I gravitate to those people, but I, I'm trying to connect the, the, you know, I'm the bridge that will connect the fundamentals to the, the present. And then chapter three is, is how paying postage made me a better marketer. So then I take the lessons of direct mail, which was you had to pay postage and printing and what that means when you're online. And so the, you know, why the modeling that we did in direct mail applies to online today and why, you know, paying postage and printing and knowing that every piece of mail was going to cost you something. And because email is so cheap, doesn't mean that you can be sloppy with it. So there's a whole, and then from there, so I set that up and then I do, you know, list, offer and copy, you know, for the next three chapters. And then I talk about uh, multi-channel marketing because the most dangerous thing in business is one and you've got to have, be a multi-channel marketer, whether online or offline, you've got to have everything as an and, not an or. So you've got to, and you can't be in one thing because that, you know, somebody shuts you down, you're out of business. And then I talk about customer service and fulfillment, uh, which is really a marketing function and that, you know, getting, you know, keeping people in your business longer as opposed to going after new people. Going after new people is important. You got to get fresh blood. But the, the people that are in your, in your world, you want to keep them in your world. And it's so much easier to keep a customer than to get a new one. And I have a lot of ways to, to do that. And then I talk about lifetime value. And then the last chapter is um, uh, what I call playing the long game which I do a lot of anecdotes and, and things that I've, have happened in my career that have taught me some lessons, some bad things, you know, some things that I made some big mistakes and things that I had to, you know, that, you know, make, don't make my mistakes and I'll give you what they are. And, you know, so lessons in humility and lessons in um, a, a lot of things that were really, really valuable. Um, and then, you know, so I finished the book and then I said, you know, I've got to over deliver for people who are buying the book. So I developed a resource site called overdeliverbook.com, www.overdeliverbook.com. And you go there and you can download um, an amazing bonus package. It's 11 major bonuses. Like one, Jay Abraham, who wrote my forward, who's a, an icon in marketing, um, has a course that, he, that cost him $200,000 to develop. And he's just offering it for free digitally. Um, there's uh, swipe files. I talk a lot in the book about swipe files and how important, you know, you can, you know, you don't, I always say stealing is a felony and stealing smart is an art. So if you can steal from the past and, and vary it and there every, you know, headlines from the past and promotions from the past that, and, and so I have a swipe file that has direct mail going back to 1900. And you'd say, what, what can I do with that? And you'd be surprised. I mean, you can take something that was from an ad back then and adapt it to what you're doing now. Um, I've got, um, you know, Dan Kennedy did a swipe file for an event I did in 2014, the Titans of Direct Response. And it's an amazing, amazing swipe file of just his best stuff. Um, 
I've got um, a couple of books, PDFs of a couple of books on that are not available. They're on. They're they're about direct mail. But I think reading about direct mail from these two geniuses, Gordon Grossman and Dick Benson, can teach you so much about online marketing. And it's not it's it's not it's not apparent to the eye. But if you read it and read between the lines, they didn't work on the internet, and yet everything that they talked about is is applicable. So if you go to overdeliverbook.com, it'll it, you'll you can buy the book wherever you want, Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Come back to the site, you opt in, you get a uh, you get this amazing uh, bonus package. I I have to admit the bonus package is worth a lot more than the book, um, but I I think the book's worth something, and I I'm proud of it, and I hope people will go get it. And um, uh, I I I I think it's it's a worthwhile seventeen dollars to go buy it so that you can get the resources and have the book as well. Absolutely. Well, I'm stoked to start reading it. Now, Brian, where can our listeners go if they want to follow up with you, learn more about you and uh, what you're up to? Well, if they buy my book at overdeliverbook.com and download, they'll be on my list. So that that's the easiest way. If you know they don't have $17 and they don't want to buy my book, Okay, um, I'm sorry, but um, but you can go to briankurtz.me and there you can just opt in to my uh, to my list. And my Sunday morning blogs are really good, um, if I do say so myself. But I, I'm really proud of them because I work really hard on them. I, I a lot of the stuff that's that's in this book were previous blogs, and in fact, one of the bonuses, one of the eleven bonuses at overdeliverbook.com is a. Uh, is the lost chapters of Overdeliver, and what it, what it is is everything that I've written since last. So, so the book went to went to print like last December, but I was already in a in a you know end of manuscript uh, phase in September. So I've got like all the blogs I've written since last August or September, and I put them in a the lost chapters of Overdeliver. And that's another 178 pages in addition to this. And so um, I try to I try to uh, share you know my my experiences. I, I've got some stuff that that's current on um, some stuff that I'm I, I think about, and uh, you know I'm trying to be mindful of what's going on around me, and then write about it. And I I think that your uh, listeners would like it. So again, I, buying the book is the best way to get on my list. But if you don't want to buy the book and you still want to get on my list, briankurtz.me. Awesome. I'll be sure to pro- provide all those links in the show notes for the listeners. Um, Brian, it definitely seems like you are over delivering on this. Do you have any last uh, parting thoughts, words of wisdom, or anything you want to leave the listener with here today? Yeah, I, I, there was a blog post that I wrote. Um, um, I, I think it was something like your smartphone won't, won't, reserve, won't reverse aging. And it was about, and, and I, I've done a bunch of things like that. And I'm, I'm not, I don't, I don't, I, I never like lecture. I never, you know, cause I, I think, you know, millennials and, and younger people have so much to offer me. And that's why I don't want to alienate them. I want to, I want to have them. And I, I found that I have a lot of people in my audience who were under 30 and it's very satisfying when they say they really like learning from me and then I like learning from them. And so I think, um, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll end with this. So I, I wrote a blog. So I have the blog post about your smartphone won't, re, won't reverse aging. But I have another one that um, uh, was about, I went to an Ed Sheeran concert and I was like one of the older people there for sure. 
and but it was a great concert and the warm-up band uh was and and the name of this blog post was being young has nothing to do with it and so it was uh the the warm-up band was uh snow patrol hmm. and i don't know if you ever heard of them oh but, yeah <laughs> okay but you no know, i knew of them and and they were they were playing and then at the end of their set they say, oh, we're, you know, we're, we're, we, we love being on the, with Ed Sheeran. I'm glad he brought us on the tour with him. And, you know, we've been on tour for 20 years ourselves and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, 20 years, wow. And then Ed Sheeran came on, did a set and was playing. And at, in the middle, he said, hey, how'd everybody like Snow Patrol? And then he told a story about how... When he was, and he says, when I was young, I mean, you know, Ed Sheeran's 27. So when he was young, when he was 23, he went on tour with Snow Patrol. And he, Snow Patrol said, you know, let him come along for the ride. And he was, you know, turning it back on them. And I, I think, you know, there was a lot of sincerity in why he was doing, there were two sides of this. One, that he was paying them back for taking him on their tour. But I think that, Snow Patrol to then go on. Ed Sheeran is way bigger than Snow Patrol, and yet they're willing to go on tour with him because they understand that it's not who the you know it, it's that was a, a lesson in humility and and I just thought it was amazing and so I think um, I, I think the uh, I, it was I'm going to redo that blog post and call it Thinking Out Loud in Diapers because. Thinking Out Loud is Ed Sheeran's song. And I'll tell you, that showed me a maturity. And, a, and, and I think that I wanted to show that lesson because, you know, Ed Sheeran was as, as mature and as, as, uh, as, instruction, as instructional through his actions as anybody. So, uh, I, I, so I'll leave you with that. I think it's a inst instructional. That's, that is that is amazing. Well, Brian, thank you so much. It has been an absolute pleasure, and I'm very grateful for you choosing to spend your time here on Young Smart Money. I am glad, great to be here. Well, there we go. Another episode of Young Smart Money in the books. Glad you guys were here to spend it with us um, and really soak up as much value as possible from the guest of the day. Now, if you guys haven't already left us a review on iTunes, I know I say that at the end of every single episode, but I really do love those reviews. We've got nearly 200 at this point, which is absolutely amazing. It's crazy to see that we're reaching hundreds of thousands of people with the podcast and that some of you guys have actually chosen to go out of your way, take five seconds and write us a review it means the absolute worst world to me. And again, if you guys don't know where to find the review section, because a lot of you guys hit me up and you're like, I want to write your review. I, I love Young Smart Money so much, but I don't know where to write the review. You just scroll all the way down. You go to Young Smart Money, you scroll all the way down past all the episodes, past nearly 200 episodes, and you find the write a review section. You leave me all of your thoughts, all of your genuine heartfelt comments about the show. I read them all. I digest them all. They get me going every single day. So I really appreciate that. And the last thing that I want to say to you guys before we wrap up here is I want you guys to take action. Okay. You just spent nearly an hour maybe more than an hour consuming this content and i want you guys to take action okay i really encourage you to while you're going through the show be mindful take notes really soak in the information don't just be there and let the information flow through you like let it soak into who you are and really really find something find one thing that you can take away from this episode that you can go out there and actually apply right now in your day 
today, okay? I want you guys to stop listening for po- to podcasts for the next little bit here, uh, maybe the next 15 minutes, and just think about how you can start to take action, okay? Think about one thing that somebody said in this podcast today that you can apply to your own life and go out there and implement it, okay? And then let me know how it went. Because guys, I see so many people just listening to content, soaking up content all day long, but they never do anything with it, okay? So I want you guys, I don't want that to be you. I want you to be the person who actually takes action. So go out there, take some action, let me know how it goes, and I will see you in the next episode.